Welcome to podcast episode 250. I'm Stuart McCullough, I'm the CEO of VHAA. And joining me for today's discussion is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Maria Coppolis. Good afternoon, Maria. Hi, Stuart. Maria, you've done this before, you know there's going to be a clue, and the clue will suggest the subject for today's discussion. Uh, the clue is currently on screen, but for the benefit of those people who are listening uh, to this podcast, rather than watching could you describe it uh, could you describe it for the audience so uh, it's an image of an ink blot test or otherwise known as uh, the Rorschach test the Rorschach test I didn't know what a Rorschach test was but it's definitely <laughs> the name of my next band I'll, I'll say that much so uh, I understand that's a psychological test in which a person's perception of ink blots uh, is used to examine personality characteristics and emotional functioning uh, so based on that clue, I, I can tell we're going to go deep. Uh, but what is the what would you say is the subject for today's discussion? So um, I'd probably say it's psychology related. So that's what you get from the ink blot. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go out in the limb and say that what I see when I look at that ink blot that's currently on screen is I see a bear jumping over a campfire. But uh, I'm prepared to accept that psychology is a much much better answer. Yeah, I think that's a lot better than the bear. <laughs> so uh, that takes us to today's subject, Maria. Yes. Um, so today's subject um, is the uh, implementation of psychology entitlements under the Medical Scientist, Pharmacist and Psychologist Agreement, uh, and also the Memorandum of Understanding, which sits separate to uh, that agreement. And I know there's been a bit of confusion as to how those two things interact. They are different, uh, even though they came out of the same process, but the MOU sits separately to the Enterprise Agreement, and it was a, it's negotiated directly between the department uh, and uh, the MSAB, and, and VHIA is not a party to that. That's correct. So um, VHIA was uh, consulted on, on those MOU terms and we've um, we've been consulted in part around implementation terms, um, although we're not party to that MOU. So we didn't negotiate it. Um, can you take us through a summary of the key changes, though, starting with the enterprise agreement, the key changes that are applicable to psychologists? Sure. So um, some of those key changes include the insertion of a new clause at 94 to provide um, psychologist supervisor training. Um, there's also amendments at clause 95 for clinical supervision, uh, insertion of a new clause 96 around um, limiting restraint of patients, um, new clause at 97 for the provision of amenities uh, and amendments to schedule three including the expansion of examination leave to grade one psychologists uh, a new clause to facilitate progression from grade two to grade three by request uh, and minimum grading for uh, director and educator roles at spe specific health services so quite a quite a few different pieces so those are the changes um, that come from the enterprise agreement various locations we'll go through them in greater detail in a moment but what's the MOU cover 
So the MOU primarily deals with the appointment of additional EFT, and that includes uh, the addition of um, 85 EFT of psychology register positions that are to be appointed each year across public health. Uh, and that's um, comprising the 75 in mental health and 10 in allied health roles. Uh, uplifts to director classification grades at certain health services and appointment of additional educator roles at certain health services. All right, so that's the overview with regards to the MOU. Let's get into some detail. And starting with the enterprise agreement changes, could you take us through the psychologist supervisor training at clause 94? Sure. So um, Clause 94 provides that where a psychologist meets their PBA requirements, they'll be approved to undertake supervisor training upon request. So where that occurs, the employer will pay reasonable costs associated with the training. Um, the obvious question there, Maria, is what is a reasonable cost? So reasonable costs have been defined within the agreement and it includes, but is not limited to course fees and time release without loss of pay to undertake the training. In terms of those requests when they come, is there a time frame that's prescribed by which to respond? Yes, so employers must provide their response within 14 days. And moving on from, clause, from that clause to clause 95, uh, which is the clinical supervision of psychologists, this isn't a new clause uh, and has only had a few minor tweaks, but could you highlight the key changes? So that's um, that's correct. So clause 95 um, has only had some minor amendments to include um, the grade three supervision requirements, which previously sat within schedule three. So um, there's no actual change to that entitlement. However, it now includes uh, supervision requirements for grade six positions. Grade six position is a new addition to the agreement. What are the supervision requirements for those roles? So the new clause uh, is provided on screen and it states that the employer shall support the grade six psychologist to seek external supervision from another psych uh, senior psychologist. Um, this support includes payment for supervision and time to attend supervision. External supervision arrangements will be agreed between the psychologist, the employer and the proposed supervisor. So Maria, why is it that for a grade six psychologist, the supervision is external? So all psychology positions will receive clinical supervision from someone who's classified at a grade higher than themselves. Uh, in the case of a grade six, that's the top classification within the psychology structure. So the alternative um, is to provide for external supervision for these employees as there's nobody else sitting above that classification. So let's move on from clause 95 to clause 96, uh, no restraint of patients. Uh, in a sense, the, the title yeah, leaves it makes it quite self-explanatory, um, but states that psychologists will not be required to physically restrain patients. Uh, are there any exceptions to that rule? Uh, yes, so the only exception provided in the clause is in the circumstances where there's an immediate duty of care to maintain safety. So does this impact on uh, a psychologist's ability to participate in de-escalation, for example, or other forms of non-physical restraint? So no, this clause is limited only to physical restraint of patients and will not impact on other forms of de-escalation or code response. So moving on from clause then 96 to clause 97 amenities. Uh, Marie, could you take us through the take us through this clause? 
Sure, so the um, main entitlements provided at Clause 97, Subclause A, and it states that a psychologist will, as far as reasonably practical, have access to an office space technology, including a computer and or laptop, telephone and mobile phone and storage facilities uh, and clinical spaces to see patients. Uh, that's appropriate having regard to the work that's performed by the psychologist, including the need for privacy in clinical and professional activities, uh, including clinical supervision and leadership responsibilities. It's interesting to see the different components within that provision in terms of, terms of as far as reasonably practicable, um, but also taking into account having regard for the work performed uh, by the psychologist. And I recall in bargaining there was lots of discussion about some of the tasks being performed by a psychologist are quite sensitive uh, as such. Uh, but those do seem like fairly common amenities that are generally provided by employers, but possible. Are there any other requirements under Clause 97? Uh, yes, so subclause B provides further that having regard to the clinical duties performed by a psychologist, um, and as far as reasonably practicable, a psychologist will not be required to share clinical spaces or hot desk for the purpose of performing clinical duties. Uh, in the event that a psychologist is required to share a clinical space or hot desk for the purpose of performing clinical duties, the employer will, as far as reasonably practicable, give consideration to alternatives such as remote working locations, and that includes work from home, or appropriate on-site breakout space. Uh, agreement to alternative arrangements will not be unreasonably refused. Really interesting. Uh, continuing on, on that theme, Maria, it's really directed towards ensuring that the space that's being utilised is fit for the work that's being undertaken. Uh, so what is the entitlement uh, if a psychologist works from home? So where a psychologist performs work from home um, and or undertakes consultation using telehealth, the psychologist will be provided with appropriate equipment, including mobile phones and computers and secure communication software. So what happens if an employer is unable to meet these amenities requirements? So if an employer doesn't meet the requirements of subclause A and B above, uh, an employee is able to raise concerns with their supervisor. The employer will then develop strategies to mitigate concerns if the concerns cannot be immediately resolved. Okay, so that makes sense in terms of if you can't meet that uh, meet those requirements, then mitigation. So moving on from the body of the agreement into Schedule 3, um, one of the first changes is to introduce access to examination leave for grade one psychologists. Uh, what's the rationale behind that change? So as grade one psychologists only have a provisional registration, they are required to undertake an examination to obtain their general registration. So the expansion of existing exam leave entitlements will help to support these employees in obtaining their registration. One of the biggest changes, Maria, to, to Schedule 3 uh, was the inclusion of Clause 14.2, Psychologist Grade 2 to Grade 3 progression. Could you take us through that clause? Uh, sure. So uh, this clause provides a mechanism for employees to request reclassification from Grade 2 to Grade 3 if they meet that criteria. So what is the criteria for progression? So subclause A provides that a psychologist grade two may request to progress to grade three where the psychologist has endorsement from the PBA in an area of practice, has a minimum of five years experience as a generally registered psychologist, performs complex clinical work of a psychological nature as part of normal duties, uh, and four is a PBA approved supervisor. 
just want to pick up on that point around experience. So does experience that's gained as a provisionally registered psychologist count towards the minimum experience requirement here? No, for the purposes of this course, the only experience that's regarded is that of a grade two psychologist. Um, so an employee is required to respond to an application within 28 days. What happens if an employer refuses an application? So if an employer refuses an application, they must provide the details of um, the reasons for refusal in writing to the employee. And in terms of reasons for refusal, can an employer refuse for budgetary reasons? So no, the agreement is quite clear that the reclassification is based solely on whether an employee meets the criteria at subclause A. Uh, an employer cannot refuse a reclassification if there is no vacancy or budget for the grade three position. So we've identified the reasons that you can't refuse an application, that is budgetary uh, considerations. What are the reasons under which by which an employer can say no to an application? So an employer may only refuse to progress a psychologist who meets the criteria at subclause uh, 14A where they are able to demonstrate that there is no grade three work available. So I take it from that that um, progression is on the basis that you will be undertaking the work of a grade three once reclassified? Yes, that's correct. And for those who are refused, can a psychologist reapply for reclassification after refusal? Yes, um, they will be able to reapply for a reclassification after 12 months. So now we've discussed the substantive changes to the entitlements under the agreement. Uh, we can move on to the appointment of new psychology roles under Schedule 3 of the agreement, as well as that MOU. Uh, so firstly, we've got that introduction of the new Grade 6 uh, Director classification. So the Grade 6 role has been introduced as a new classification within some of the large metro and regional hospitals. So the classifications uh, have been included in both the agreement and MOU and set out the health services who must appoint into these roles. Uh, the list of relevant health services are provided on screen. Um, however, I will go through them. So, um, so we've got Alfred Health, Austin Health, Ballarat Health Service, which is now Grampians, uh, Barwon Health, Bendigo, Eastern, Melbourne, Monash, Northern, Peninsula, Royal Children's Hospital, uh, Southwest Healthcare and Western Health. One of the queries that always comes up with these kinds of outcomes is whether these roles are new EFT, new appointments, or whether it's a case of existing directors being uplifted into that new classification. Do we have any clarity on that on that question? Um, yes, so this is a question that came up from members um, and we discussed it with the union and department um, not too long ago. Um, the parties had agreed that the intention was to uplift an existing role to the grade six level uh, as opposed to recruiting a brand new position. So um, in the event that a health service has two existing employees in a grade five position, for example, um, it's recommended that an expression of interest process is followed to recruit into that role uh, and appoint one of those individuals up to the grade six level. Speaking with Schedule 3 and in particular Clause 13C, that also provides a list of employers that need to appoint grade five director positions. Um, should the same approach be taken to these roles? Yeah. That's correct. So for the benefit of those watching the podcast, we'll put up the list of health services um, on screen. Um, so grade five uh, directors will need to be appointed to Albury Wodonga Health, um, GV Health, 
La Trobe Regional Hospital, Mildura Hospital, Mercy Public Hospital, Peter Mac, uh, and also St Vincent's. It's obviously a change to the structure. Uh, it may change, well, affect reporting lines and, and, and the like. Is there an expectation uh, for employees to undertake a formal change process where a position is appointed under clause 13 or clause 14 of schedule three? So there are requirements under the agreement to consult where there are changes to reporting lines. However, as these appointments are part of the agreed outcome of this enterprise agreement, the union would support an expedited form of consultation. So they've communicated to us that there's a preference to, um, to do it as quickly as possible um, to try and encourage implementation. So how would you recommend employers go about that expedited consultation process? So employees should get in touch with their union representative in the first instance to advise how they plan to implement the new director appointment. So whether that is uplifting uh, of an existing employee or whether there's an expression of interest process or however that looks. Um, from there, the parties can agree on the most efficient approach to local implementation, and that will depend on the changes that are necessary. So moving on from that to the psychology educator positions, the MIU states the additional EFT will be appointed to health services. Can you take us through that provision of the MIU? So um, the clause says that uh, psychology educator positions will be at the grade four and five levels, and these roles are to continue the ongoing professional development of psychologists. So specific um, psychology educator FTE um, will be allocated um, as is provided on screen. So um, you can see the grouping of hospitals. So you've got um, Alfred Austin, Barwon Eastern, Monash Peninsula, uh, Royal Children's, Southwest Healthcare, Northern Health and Western Health. That'll get one EFT of grade five and two EFT of grade fours. Uh, Royal Melbourne will get one grade five and two grade fours. Um, the Centre for Mental Health Learning will get one EFT of grade five and one EFT of grade four. Uh, and then Albury, Wodonga, um, Ballarat Health, Bendigo Health, uh, Mercy Health, Mildura, Northern Health, Peter Mac, Latrobe Regional Hospital, St Vincent's Hospital, Western Health and GB Health will get just the one EFT of Grade 5 educator. Is there an expectation that the educator positions will be additional EFT or as we discussed before, are they uplifts to existing roles? So the educator roles will be treated as additional EFT as opposed to uplifts um, in the case of the director positions. Okay, so a different a difference in approach. Um, that takes us to the psychology specific item uh, that's within the MOU about registrar appointments, which is also known as grade two psychologists. The MOU states an additional 340 EFT of psychology registrar positions will be recruited over the life of the agreement and the parties would consult on how that was implemented. First of all, what does the breakdown of EFT look like? So um, the way that this is structured um, is the uplifts for each year. So that's from 2022 to the end of the agreement. Um, so that's 75 EFT of mental health psychology registered positions um, year on year, and then a further 10 um, psychology registered positions in allied health or non-mental health roles each year. And what was, the, what was the consultation process with regards to the allocation of this additional EFT? So uh, both BHIA and the union consulted with employers between um, September of 2022 and December of 2022 to assess the need for EFT across services. Uh, we believe 
discussions occurred um, between um, the union and um, department heads at a lot of the um, large mental health services um, quite um, some time ago. So, um, so through that process, we were able to allocate um, that EFT and then provide confirmation of outcomes in October 2022 for those uh, mental health roles and um, later on in January of 2023 for the non-mental health roles. Um, so the Department of Health has written to employers about appointing those MOU roles. What communication have they provided so far? So we understand that the department sent out some correspondence to employees in October 2022, confirming the outcome of the mental health psychology register appointments. Um, and at that time, they've requested that employers um, should commence that recruitment promptly. Uh, a subsequent letter went out in um, January 2023 after we'd resolved the non-mental health allocations. Um, and that one was um, written in a similar way, requesting that employers appoint into those uh, non-mental health psychology register positions and also included um, any sort of psychology director, educator roles. And uh, I believe pharmacist roles were also included in, in that letter. Um, so um, this particular agreement, the medical scientists agreement and, and the subsequent MOU, this is one of the agreements that has a significant lag between the nominal expiry date and when the next agreement was approved. I think the nominal expiry date was, I think, January 2021. It's gone to the Commission in October, November 2022, so more than 18 months. One of the challenges with that kind of lag um, is that you've got things that are supposed to happen in 2022 um, that, that haven't happened. So we've got allocations for 2022 and 2023. What approach should employers take to that? So. Um... Employers will need to recruit as per the letters that were provided by the department. So um, in some cases that will be inclusive of the 2022-23 funding. Um, and then in other cases, so I believe the non-mental health roles, they've only released funding for the 2022 roles. Um, so there will be subsequent correspondence to um, confirm how much EFT would be um, need to be appointed for the 2023 roles. So uh, it essentially means that uh, employers have to recruit to both those allocations this year. And we know that we do get sometimes queries about funding, and I think those correspondences from the department have a nominated contact point for queries with regards to funding. And we would certainly encourage members firstly to, to utilise that, and, and we would love to know if there was any existing concern after that process um, uh, as, as such. Um, the last question, uh, Maria, would be, uh, are we providing any additional implementation materials to employers? So yes, we're currently preparing an FAQ document to assist employers with implementation of the MOU terms. Um, this will be circulated via bulletin once we um, get that contents confirmed with the department and MSAB. So um, we're hoping to meet with them um, in the next week or so to try and um, organise that. Uh, we'll also send out um, some regular surveys um, uh, with the first one going out this week um, to try and track the implementation progress across the board. Um, and that is for the purpose of us being able to report it to the central committee meetings. Um, and those committees comprise of BHIA, the department and the union representatives. Okay, uh, so members can expect that survey, which is really just from the point of tracking progress. Yeah. 
Maria, thank you so much for taking us through the psychology changes under the uh, Medical Scientists Agreement and some associated changes under the Memorandum of Understanding. I don't think there's a better way to end this podcast than to bring back up the ink blot and to stare into it for, for several minutes on end and just enjoy the splendour of the warship test. Thanks so much, Maria. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you.